I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight, the reigning, defending, 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 undisputed, universal, heavyweight champion, Wildcat Radio 2.0, bear down, you beautiful people. What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Andrew Green. He's Brett Barry. And we're coming to you just a couple of days after our last pod. Of course, the last show we did, we kind of broke down Arizona basketball men and women, their bracket seedings, because those came out on Sunday. Well, nothing's changed there. They're still the seeds they were then. So nothing, nothing new to report there. But this show we're going to do, we're going to preview the Arizona men versus Princeton. We're going to have a guest to talk about Princeton. We're going to talk about Arizona women's basketball, their potential tournament run too, later with PJ Brown, one of our favorite guests on this show. Brett, like it's when you're Arizona basketball, men and women now, you're waiting for March. Like the whole season, like you, you expect to be playing, you know, you're going to be playing and it doesn't like games matter. But these are the games that really matter, and they're here. Yeah, it's it's go time, Adam. It's uh, the glorious, uh, exciting, painful, heartbreaking thing that is March Madness, where every game matters, and that's part of the beauty of it. 67 of 68 teams are going to have their season end in a loss, and that's why we love it and hate it. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know about you. Like, I'd rather be one of the favored teams. I'd rather be like a one-seed or a two-seed, of course, because that means you're really good. At the same time, most one seeds and two seeds do not win the whole thing, right? Like the <laughs> expectations are <laughs> the, the expectations are so wildly different when you're a favorite. You know, compared to like the women, they're a seven seed. They're playing number ten West Virginia seven seed. Yeah, you're pretty good, but you're not expected to win, especially when you're in South Carolina's part of the bracket. Conversely, Arizona's a two seed. I've seen. I think Jay Billis has Arizona winning the whole thing, according to his stuff. Like I've seen. You know, like. There's a possibility there's a possibility that anyone can win, of course. But when you're a two seed, that expectation is kind of there, right? Like, yeah, you're not in one seed, but you're looked at as one of the top eight teams in the country. One of the top eight teams should win, right? I mean <laughs> In theory. Uh, in theory. I, I mean, let, that was the segment where I'm gonna go into the difference between a plurality of likelihood and majority of the likelihood outcome. Ooh, <laughs> because, education time with Brett Barry. Professor well, Barry. It's just like, you know, I just pulled up 538, for example, right? So, like, Alabama, number one overall seed. Uh, if you believe 538, 
criticize it plenty. They are not even a majority likelihood for probability to make the final four in their bracket. <laughs> they get a 45% chance of making the final four and a 16% chance to win, right? Uh, by contrast, Arizona has a 15% chance to make the final four and a 4% chance to win. And it's like, this is this is the, you know, all of the final, the, the number one seeds all expect to be in the final four, right? Uh, and all of them expect to win the championship. Well, maybe most of them are in the final four and only and maybe one of them wins maybe none of them are there right that's part of the beauty <laughs> uh, it's i mean it's the beauty when I, I guess like i said it's it's nice when you have the good team when you're one of the best teams because you don't go to saying well maybe you know, win a game and that'll be fun you know just happy to be here you say oh this is a team that can win it all and it's interesting for the arizona men especially because you look at it they weren't supposed to be this good this season they weren't supposed to be as good as they were last season. And they surprised. They earned a one seed. They were bounced after the first week. They made the Sweet 16 and lost there to Houston, a definitely an underseeded Houston team. And all of a sudden, Arizona comes back, down three players, starters, who went to the NBA, and their record is almost as good, and they're a two seed. There's no shame in a two seed. Like Some of Arizona's best teams have been two seeds. So it's like the expectations for the last two years weren't their preseason. And now they kind of exist entering the postseason. It's quite the ride, you know. Well, you know, you know what the uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna you know what's been grinding my gears, Adam. Let's go. Let's hear it. Uh, I keep listening to all of like these podcasts uh, of people I genuinely like and think that have generally good takes, and like nationally, people say whatever. And there's just like this this narrative that this year's like. When it comes to this year's Arizona Arizona team, I think the narrative is all comparing to what last year's team was and where it went. And that and and you know, oh, you lost three NBA guys and your high end talent is gone. Therefore, the narrative is don't trust Arizona to be good. Right? Right. Well, you can expect them to take a step back. Well, I think that would have been fair. And I get the logic, but also taking a step back, we're at the end of the damn season, Adam, and they're a two seed, and they, you know, were have been a consistent top ten team all year. Oh, they they're they're good. They've proven yeah. themselves to be good. Are they so, infallible? No, but no so, one is this season. Yeah. So what? That's what. That's kind of getting at the crux of what grinds my gears. I think there's a lazy narrative out there that Arizona is it shouldn't be trusted because inherently they don't trust them because Ben Matherin's not there, right? Um. But the, the reality is when you get to March, you know, throw that all out the window. Maybe Arizona struggles in, in the March Madness tournament. Maybe they go to the Final Four. You don't know, right? Um, but I what I don't like is the lazy narrative part. You know, Arizona may not make the Sweet 16. Sure. You know, I can see that happening. They can also make the Final Four. And I it's 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 the time of year where it's like it's it, it reminds me of the preseason rankings that mean nothing. And everybody that hasn't watched ninety percent of these teams play is is prognosticating. And with Arizona, I think everybody just says, "Oh, well, this is just like last year's team minus Ben Matherin." It's like, well, no. it's not though, because Courtney Ramey was is 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 a different player than Justin Kyer was. You know, uh, if if Kirk Reese's shoulder is healthy, that's a different situation. Umar Balo is a different big than Christian Coloco yeah. was, yeah. and is Azulis still is. is is yeah. Azulis Tabellus uh, a year older and wiser and tougher than he was a year ago? Is, you know, it, Kylan Boswell, is he a difference maker as a backup point guard? It's not the same thing. And it's a lazy, no. it's a lazy narrative. And it's been, it's been really irritating me. 
You'd think Arizona fans, too, with as much roster turnover as been in the past, would understand that every season, every team is different. You know, what makes this team strong, what makes this team one of the best in the country is different than what made last year's team. And granted, they're both good offensively, really good offensively. But how they do it, the specifics, the nitty-gritty, it is different. And it's honestly, like, yeah, there's not the NBA surefire talent. Like, last year you're watching, oh, you know Ben Matherin's a lottery pick. You know Dalen Terry's going to be a draft pick without it be a year later. But you know Dalen Terry's going to the NBA, and Coloco, you knew, had a chance at the NBA. You watch them this year, and it's hard to say, like, their best player, Tubelis, doesn't necessarily have an NBA. You know, you don't know if he's leaving after this season. You don't know if he's going to the NBA. You don't know where he's going to play after college. You know, same thing with a Courtney Ramey. Or with an Umar Balo, right? Like there's a legitimate question. That, that's what I think it is. Where you Arizona fans are used to going to the tournament with lottery pick on lottery pick, some one and dones. But you have guys like, yep, that guy's going pro. That guy's an NBA player. They may not have that this season. Doesn't mean they're not good. Some of the best teams in college basketball over the years are the experienced teams that have guys who are out there just playing their asses off, not playing for their NBA contract, not playing for their lottery position. Um, and that's kind of where this Arizona team is showing. Like that's when people say they don't trust them. I don't trust them. I saw them lose to Stanford. I saw them get their <laughs> asses kicked at Utah. I saw them lose to Washington State at home. I saw them lose to ASU at home. Right? Like there's reason to doubt them. But then again, I think I saw Justin Spears from the pod and tweeted out that they're 12 and two against tournament teams. You know, with those losses being one to ASU and once to UCLA. Like they've beaten some really good teams. Like the best teams they've played, they've beaten yeah. every one of them. Like they have, even like the two tournament teams they've lost to, Arizona beat them each two out of three times this season. So they've proven they belong. They've proven that they're a two seed for a reason. They've proven that they should be one of the teams that you're going to say, you know, if, if someone has them in their final four, it's not outlandish, right? Yeah. But could either of us sit here and say, that team has a shoe in? No, because there's been what I thought were better Arizona teams over the last 21 years, 22 years, that did not make a final four either. So that's yeah. where it comes down to are you good enough? Yes. Are you going to get the right matchups? Are you going to get the right luck? We don't know that right now. Yeah. Is Are you going to get uh, the Courtney Ramey that hits the game-winning shot? Or are you going to get the Courtney Ramey that was, what, 0 for 7 leading up to that? Yeah. Right? Are you going to get Kirk Riso who can make a few three-pointers and his passes are... Are you going to get Azulis Tubelis, who was probably could have been the Pac-12 player of the year? You're going to get the guy who didn't show up in the tournament last year. Yeah. And, that's, and I think that's where, you know, I agree... You know, you should never, you should never feel comfortable, right? Like it's March Madness. The whole point is that anybody can lose it on any given night, right? Yeah. And if you, if you're, and you know, we talked about this with this team where we're not, we don't trust their consistent focus. Well, now we're going to find out if they've learned their lesson with those losses over the course of the season, uh, and if if they show up focused and and you know play to the best of their ability, they're going to go really far. And if they yeah. don't. Uh, then they're going to lose, but that applies to a lot of a lot of teams out there. But I think Arizona's ceiling is much higher than the vast majority of teams. Certainly, and of course, we're going to talk about the women later too with PJ Brown, one of our favorite guests, to kind of give us a take on where they at number seven, playing West Virginia, who's number ten. But Brett, to kind of see where you know Arizona men, their first game, and it's tough to do basketball previews when there's two games in a week, potentially two games in a week, right? But the next game on the schedule is the Princeton Tigers in Sacramento in their first round game. It's Thursday afternoon. I think it's like one o'clock, one ten Arizona time. Remember, daylight savings switch, and we're now three hours behind East Coast. To get an in, some insight into the Princeton Tigers, we're going to talk to Jerry Carino, who is at NJ Hoops Haven on Twitter. He's a college basketball writer and columnist for the Asbury Park Press, which is a Gannett, New Jersey. Associated Press, top 25 voter. He knows college basketball. He knows Princeton. And let's talk to him. 
I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, it's Wildcat Radio 2.0. We are back and joined by Jerry Carino, who covers Princeton for the Asbury Park Press in Gannett, New Jersey. Jerry, thanks for joining the show. Glad to do it, guys. This is, this is my time of year. March Madness, man. Say, we're at Arizona Wildcats podcast, so it's kind of our time of year, too. Um, <laughs> I'm sure. It was the brackets were released. Arizona being a two seed wasn't a big surprise. Some people were hoping they'd be in the West. Instead, they're in the South. And that lines them up with Princeton, who the 15 seed. I'd be lying if I said I knew a lot about the Tigers. And I imagine a lot of Arizona fans don't know much about it. I mean, either other than they, they beat Yale to win the Ivy League tournament and get this berth. Is it is it that simple, or are they a team that, you know, if they if they had not won the tournament, were they in, are they in the tournament, do you think? No, no, they would have been in the NIT. Uh, the Ivy League typically only gets one bid, and it's the auto bid. So Princeton's good. I mean, they're a good team and probably just a cut below, like an at-large type of team. I would, that's what I would say. Okay, so, okay. So Jerry, for you know, for most of us that are sitting out here on the West Coast and not uh, as privy to you know the goings on of Ivy League basketball until this time of year, you know, I think we have a predisposition to thinking we know what Princeton basketball is uh, from some past performances. You know, the the backdoor cuts, the fundamentally sound basketball. Is that is that reflective of this year's Princeton team that's going to face Arizona this week? Well, is it no and yes. So they do play fundamentally sound basketball, but they no longer play that Pete Carrill style that you're thinking of, like the style that beat UCLA, you know, in a game in the 40s in 1996. You know what I'm talking about, one of the great March Madness upsets of all time. Uh, the style that that threw fear into the heart of the big boys every time they drew Princeton for decades under the great Pete Carrill, who, who of course, you know, was an assistant with the Sacramento Kings after his long tenure at Princeton and, and really helped revolutionize NBA offensive basketball, but they no longer play like that. Even though Mitch Henderson, their head coach, was one of the greats on Pete Carrill's team and played in that game against UCLA in 96, they don't they don't bleed the shot clock anymore. They don't hold the ball. They don't, you know, run the back. They might run a backdoor cut every now and then, but they don't do it as a staple offense. Princeton's modern. You know, they they push the ball. They, they, they have a green light to shoot. Um... But they do do a couple things that are a little different. And one is, and this is not really the way their system is. It's just the personnel they have. They, they are run by a point forward. Uh, there's a 6'8 uh, guy. His name is Tosan Awoma. And he runs their offense. And he's big. He's 6'8. And he's not like a 6'8 wiry, you know, NBA-type point guard. He's a 6'8 body of a center, body of a power forward. 
And he runs their offense. He's just an unusually gifted player who can pass, shoot, score inside, outside, and has a really good handle. And I think has a long future as a pro, if not in the NBA, because he doesn't, he doesn't really shoot the three. If not in the NBA, the guy's going to make a lot of money in Europe, and he is from England, in fact. So they're a little different in that sense. The one, two ways to like the old school Princeton is that they have four guys who could shoot threes. Okay, every guy on the floor other than Tosan shoots threes. And, and uh, they do run a really smart offense in the sense that they space well, they move the ball in the air real well. So, yeah, it's, they are a fundamentally sound, smart Ivy League team, but they just they don't hold the ball anymore. They, they score and they push the ball, which might not be a great matchup for them against Arizona. I was going to say, so they don't run the Princeton offense so much. They just run offense is what it sounds like, which that's, right. that's where college basketball is kind of going. You mentioned uh, Tosan. He sounds like the type of player that's given Arizona trouble this season. Those big forwards, like, you know, maybe a little bit big for a small forward, a little small for a center, but are quick, can handle the ball, can maybe shoot a little bit. You said he doesn't really shoot threes. We, but he can I don't shoot know how much you know about Arizona. Yeah, the mid-range type stuff. Arizona, of course, their strength is offense. They can play defense when they play hard when they're focused but in terms of what Princeton can do like if they're playing well if they're playing to their strength what do they look like yeah Princeton's gonna score I mean they they score in the 70s and 80s uh you know they they're gonna push the ball they're gonna shoot they won't take bad shots they'll get good shots but they'll do it quickly and they do a lot of they're pretty good in the early offense right they're not gonna they're not gonna run run the classic fast break certainly not in Arizona but what they will do is they will set up quickly for a good shot. Uh, Tosan will move Princeton's big, uh, Arizona's big, whoever they designate to guard him. He'll move Arizona's big out of the paint. And, you know, from there they can do some damage because he can really pass the ball. Like he'll he'll draw a double team or move the big out of the paint and then and then hit a cutter or find a guy who's, who's left open with a, if someone comes to double. So that's what, that's what Princeton will do offensively. Uh, they're not – they're not a really good defensive team, although they played great defensively in the Ivy League tournament. But this is where it's a tough matchup against Arizona. I think Princeton would have been much better served playing a Purdue, one of these Big Ten teams that grinds out games, you know, and plays physical and slow. It's like watching paint dry. I watched a lot of Big Ten because Rutgers is in it. The Big Ten's like watching paint dry. But, you know, it's, it's, that's what it, that would have been a good matchup for Princeton, not because Princeton likes to play slow, but because Princeton, not, they don't defend particularly well. So I think their best matchup would have been hitting a bunch of threes against a team that doesn't score a lot. Uh, I don't know that's going to fly against Arizona. But, yeah, they're going to – they're not going to adjust what they do. Like, you can't change who you are, you know. Princeton's going to do what they do. And I think they're going to have trouble guarding Arizona. But I don't think they're going to have trouble scoring points. So, so Jerry, based on that, is uh, if, if Princeton were to, uh, you know, present a, a realistic threat to upset Arizona in the first round is the path to that them trying to dictate the tempo of this game is that is that their their best path to uh to, to success against Arizona I wouldn't say dictate the tempo as much as I would say not turn the ball over because if they, Arizona's you know they score a lot of points in transition Arizona's going to take turnovers to the house they're going to get you know pick sixes uh, turnovers for touchdowns whatever analogy you want to draw if Princeton turns the ball over Princeton's been, although they're although they generally are pretty smart with the ball, they don't have, like I said, a classic point guard with the ball on the string. Although Tosan's a good ball handler, but their other guards aren't. They're not 
spectacular ball handlers. And so I've seen games where Princeton turned it over 20 times. And if they do that, they're going to get destroyed by Arizona. Arizona's going to turn those 20 turnovers into 40 points. Uh, if, if Princeton, they only turned it over five times in the Ivy Final against Yale. If they do that, that's not so much controlling tempo as it is valuing the possessions, right? They're a little bit two different things. And the other thing about Princeton is Princeton's got to make the shots because if Arizona gets long rebounds, they're going to take those rebounds and stuff them down Princeton's throat. So, like, they're not a great rebounding team, Princeton. They got they do have a couple big guys, but they're not, I don't know if they're going to be able to rebound with Arizona, especially long rebounds. And so, you know, those Arizona guards, I've seen those guys play. They're going to take those long rebounds and go and score or get fouled and, and bring it up. So Princeton's got to make their shots, but I think more specifically – not turn the ball over. Now, this is Princeton's first appearance in the tournament since 2017, so it's been a while. Of course, they're a 15 seed. They're not expected to win, right? Everybody knows it. I'm sure they know that. Right. But they're playing well. They won their conference tournament for a reason. They're playing good basketball. They're a good basketball team. Is there a sense with them that, you know, they're going to come into this game loose, saying, hey, you know what? We're happy to be here. Why not win the game anyway? Or, like, what's kind of their mindset going into this tournament against an Arizona team that, you know, number eight in the country is a big Pac-12 school. They're going to be really loose because all the pressure was on Princeton in the Ivy League tournament because they were hosting it. So the way the Ivy League tournament works is the site rotates every year. There's a four-team tournament and the semis and final rotate. This was Princeton's turn to host and it's a very big deal for the school. Like This is this is like the Super Bowl for Princeton Athletics. You know, they don't play big-time football. Basketball is their brand and in, in the Ivy League, basketball is important. It's a big deal. So these are old rivalries, 100-plus-year-old rivalries they have with Yale and Harvard and Penn in these schools. And so it was a very big deal to host. There was a ton of pressure on them. And I think that's past. You know, they, they did it. They did They did what they set out to do. And now they're going to come in totally loose. And I talked with Mitch Henderson, who's a Princeton coach, yesterday morning about this. I talked on the phone while he was on the bus to the airport. And I said, what is the main thing? your main message going to be to your guys. You know, he's been through this a lot. He won two NCAA tournament games as a player. He coached a team six years ago that nearly beat Notre Dame, came down to the last possession. That was a 12-5 game. Uh, I said, what is your message going to be? He said, my message is going to be to have fun and enjoy the moment. You know, we accomplished our goal. We won the league at home. We're going to the tournament. From here on out, it's enjoy the moment. This is a big deal to be in March Madness, and you should savor it. And so that tells you a lot, right, about what their attitude is going to be. Extremely loose, nothing to lose. And you know how these games go. The longer these games go on, the longer they lose, nothing to lose underdogs hanging around, the more likely it gets and the harder it gets for their favorite. So I think the first five or ten minutes of this game will tell you a lot. But Princeton's not going to be tight at all. So I think that I think that leads to, uh, you know, it's about to get real with the games. Uh you know what's what's your expectation heading into this game? Call your shot, Jerry. We're going to give you the opportunity to call a a, a 15-2 upset if you if you want to take a swing at it. I can't. I can't take a swing. I love to pick Princeton. I love the way they play. I love the coach and the personnel. If it was a different matchup, maybe, but I just think it's a bad matchup with Arizona and the way they score. Uh, I I foresee Princeton representing themselves well. I don't think they'll get run off the court. I don't think they'll be rattled by what will be a very pro Arizona crowd. Uh, I don't think that those things will factor in. Oh, I think Arizona is going to is going to score and do their thing because they're really good. And so, I would say, you know, I, I would pick a, a, a double digit victory, but like a 
like a 12, not a 25 point win. I would pick like a 80, 85 to 73 type game for Arizona. Both teams will score. Arizona's going to score more. I think Arizona fans will take that. And, of course, Jerry will take this analysis. Thank you for such great insight into Princeton, Arizona's first-round opponent on Thursday. It's an afternoon. I guess it's an early afternoon game in Arizona on the East Coast, but early evening game. But you can find Jerry on Twitter at NJHoopsHaven. Once again, we appreciate the time, and I guess let's all enjoy the tournament, right? Yeah, thanks for the outreach, guys. Enjoy the dance. I know I will. So that's Jerry Carino giving us his take on Princeton, who Arizona men are playing on Thursday. Now for a look at the Arizona women who play on Friday, here to give us some insight into the Arizona women's team because they're in the tournament as well. They are number seven seed playing West Virginia in their first round match. We have PJ Brown for the Arizona Daily Star. PJ, welcome back to Wildcat Radio 2.0. Thanks. How are you guys doing? It's been way too long. It has been. It's, it's March, so we're stressed. Right. Like this is the time of year where it's Arizona basketball, men and women. You have high expectations and you know that the next loss, which the math says is likely to happen. You're not likely to win either tournament, but, you know, it's a time where it's a little okay, okay. It's you know, this is what it's all about. But, you know, the women, let's get right into it. The women, they earned a number seven seed. Not bad. They won 21 games this season. Not necessarily the seed that one would have expected before the season began or the record that people expect before the season began. You know, they struggled in the Pac-12 tournament, and they didn't really exactly finish the season strong. Where is Adia Barnes' team at right now as they head into March Madness? Well, it's really interesting that you say it's sort of not where everyone expected them to be because they won 21 games. Last year, they only won 20 uh, in the regular season. And last year, they only beat two ranked teams, and this year, they beat five ranked teams. Okay, so that's PJ putting him in my place. Thank you. <laughs> but no, everybody seems to think that it wasn't a good season. It was an inconsistent season, right? There were games that they could have won that they didn't, and um, for whatever reason. But then when you go back and look at other years and years where they played in the postseason – which I did over the last couple of days, you know, you realize that like last year they didn't finish off well. The year they went to the title game, they didn't really finish off well. And they lost games in both of those seasons that they shouldn't have lost. And then you look at the WNIT year, same thing. I think the WNIT year, they finished off on a four-game losing streak. And then they just said – um, you know, we didn't make the tournament and they were mad and they're like, we're going to win the WNIT. So each year has brought its own ups and downs. Um, uh, and, you know, when you look back on it, actually, the 2020 team was probably the best team that Adia Barnes has coached. The team that they went 24 and seven and then the world shut down. Right. So that team probably would have gone far as well depending on how the matchups were and everything. But but that looks like, when you look back, that that was probably the best or one of the best teams. It's March now. Um, I think they're feeling really good. I think with any of the teams that Adia Barnes coaches, this week and a half of just, first we'll take a little break, heal up from a long season, get some, catch our breath, right? And then we'll spend some time and focus on us and just 
not worry about anything else. This past week was spring break, so there was no schoolwork. There was no homework. As Jade Lavelle said, I'm just hooping this week. You know, I mean, that's what it's all about. Spending time together as a team, having fun. This is the fun part of the year, right? They worked really hard in practice and in games for a long season. And now they just get to have fun. And so I think they're in a good space. I also think the seven seed isn't where they should be, right? I think that they should be a five or a six seed. I think they kind of got dinged for whatever reason. I don't, I think it's because they had a lot of upsets and they just didn't know where to put people, to be very honest. Um, So the seventh seed, I think, gives them a little chip on their shoulder, right? They're feeling right now like, are you kidding me? We're really good and we deserve better. And now we're going to go out and prove it. And anytime an Adia Barnes team feels like they're dissed, disrespected, or that they're not on the map or whatever the thing is, they get a chip on their shoulder and they play harder and then good things happen. So I have a feeling that they're going to come out against West Virginia and maybe West Virginia has to be a little bit careful because this team, this team could be a little bad and th- and that could change things. So, so PJ, you kind of stole what I was going to ask in the question of what the seating was, but also during your answer, all I could do was picture Adia Barnes at, at a certain point in March where the cameras caught her expressing her feelings for the, the rest of the world. Um, <laughs> if you know what I mean, involving, involving her hands. Um, so I think you, I think you kind of stole that. But how how do you how do you view Arizona's I guess broader you know draw in in the West Virginia matchup? How do they match up with them, and how do you see them fitting in the in their bracket? Sure, I actually got a chance this afternoon to sit down and look at the bracket and look at West Virginia. I've been focused on writing all about Arizona and other things um, over the last two days. But West Virginia is heavy on guards. They have two really good guards. One's a fifth-year senior, Smith, and the other one is a sophomore, J.J. And both of them um, score like 14 points a game. Um, They have a couple of other guards, I think, who are pretty good. But I think it's a really guard-heavy team. And it doesn't look like any of their forwards are really tall. Maybe 6'2", 6'3", is the tallest forward they have. And also, it doesn't look like they corral a lot of rebounds. So I think it's going to be trying to shut down these guards and, um, you know, most of the time that Arizona's played really guard-heavy team, teams are, you know, it's non-conference. So they've, they've been there and done that. And then there's a couple of Pac-12 teams that don't have really big bigs, and they played them as well. So I think it's really that. I think that um, with, with an Esmeri Martinez, who is – facing her old team and with the Maya Nagy and a Kate Reese um, along with Helena Poyo and Maddie Connor in, in those forward positions, I think they, 
they match up really well there and that Arizona probably has a bit of an advantage on that side. Um, guards, you know, I don't know. I just know that um, what Arizona brings to the table, if they're doing, if they're following the plan, they can win against many teams in the country. And, th- and that's it. It's, it's coming and in following the plan, right? Having that, that effort, starting with that effort and really going after 50-50 balls, going for those rebounds on the offensive side, sharing the ball, passing inside and out, doing those things, getting steals, really being in the passing lanes and, and really sort of um, disrupting the, their opponent. And when they do those things, it, as we've seen, they knocked off the number four team in the country in Utah. They beat a number 21 Colorado. They, they beat a really tough Oregon State game early on, team early on, and they beat an Oregon team that was ranked at that moment. They also dominated a ranked Baylor team early on. So when they're following the game plan. This team is really tough. I wonder too, because that's a lot like we talk about the men's team, right? When they're focused, when they're trying, like they can beat anyone. If they're playing at their best, there's few teams that are more talented or they can't match up with, but they've also shown what they can do when they're not at their best. And that's lose to pretty much anyone. I do wonder too, because, you know, a couple of years ago, you have Ari McDonald. It's like she was going pro, but like she has a monster tournament, you know, when you, when it's kind of like your last run, what you bring to the table. This Arizona team has a couple of really key fifth-year seniors who this is it for them, right? Like, are they going into this tournament saying, you know what, we've been to the mountaintop. This is our last chance to climb over it and approaching this. Yeah, maybe they don't have the expectations of like a two-seed or a three-seed, but in their own minds, like they're confident and they're ready to kind of go out and be the team that can get Arizona over the top and win the national championship. I really think so. I think... You know, in Shayna Pellington, you have someone who takes it personal. So she's really going to come out and she's going to be motivated. She knows that they didn't play well at the end of the season. She knows that they were a 15 seed and they could have hosted if they would have probably won one game, one of the three games. Didn't matter which game, they probably just needed to win one and they would have hosted um, someone like Shana takes that to heart and she's going to come out motivated. The other thing that helps her is that her parents will be coming in with some other family. She's from Toronto and they're going to be driving down. And we all know what happens when Shana's parents are in the stands. Shana goes off. So, good things happen. Yeah, really good things happen. So I think that's true for Shana. I also think Kate, um, I talked to her couple weeks ago and um she's feeling it i think she's feeling the fact that there are a few more games left in her career and how does she want to finish out right she knows that there's that she wants to go out on a good note and end end this five-year career on a good note and um i think she's ready i also think you know jade labelle is also a fifth-year senior Um, This is her second NCAA tournament, and um, she's really excited for this one. 
I think she's feeling it too. I think they all feel the moment. I think they're all going to be in the moment, really cherishing this a little more than possibly a freshman would. Is there any fear though? Because some people, the moment is like, wow, you get too hyped up, too amped up for it. And maybe it's almost too big for you. You're just, you're not able to meet the moment the way you could. But in this case, like Shane has played in big games, obviously Kate Reese has played in big games. Do you think that kind of helps them keep the right mindset where, yeah, they're amped up, they're confident, they're excited for this opportunity, but they're going to be ready to keep, you know, their emotions in check and play the game that they need to play? I think so. I think all of them, like you said, have been in big moments. Um, you know, Shane has hit game winners. Last uh, last year, she hit a couple game winners. She um, She's done so much this year, whether it was, you know, the overtime games against UCLA and, and USC in, in LA. Um, I think that she's... I think that they're all mature enough to not let that moment get too big. They're going to be the ones telling the freshmen, just have fun with it, right? Just, just go with it. Enjoy this moment. And it's like every other big moment you've been in, you know, Paris Clark came out at Utah and in seven seconds, almost won that game for them. As far as we're concerned, she did win the game for them. But that's a a different story. Somebody took it away, right? I don't want to talk about that game. That was tough. (laughs) But but I mean, I think that you go right down the list. And I think what they've done this year, um, each of these players, there were a lot of big moments this year. And each one of them stepped up in those moments and they didn't get overwhelmed. And so I think that that just helps them roll into this like it's just a business trip, right? They're going to have fun, but it's another game. That's how they're taking it. We're going to go out and play our game. Whoever our opponent is, we'll focus on them. You know, do what do the few things we need to do to stop them. And just like any other game. So I know that the ladies are focusing on the game in front of them, which is West Virginia. But, you know, if they're if they're going to go out on a high note, like, you know, Shana Pellington and Kate Reese want to do, and, you know, God save the person that stands between Kate Reese and, and achievement right now, and the way she's been playing the last couple of months with the fierceness she's had. You know, how do you feel uh, like the bracket overall? Obviously, there's the the Goliath there with South Carolina. If, if Arizona's going to make it to the Final Four, it's they're, they're going to have to earn it. Right. How do you feel about Arizona's placement in the bracket overall? Yeah, it's funny. It would have been nicer if they were in Seattle. <laughs> it would have been nicer for everybody, right? It would have been a, a much easier commute. It would have been a ton of U of A fans in the stands because a lot of it, because it's in this footprint, right? It's it's easy to get to a lot of fans, a lot of Adia Barnes fans in Seattle because she won a championship there that place would have almost felt like a home game for them. So Greenville will, if they get to Greenville, it'll be tough. Um, But I, you know, you have to take it one game at a time. If they beat West Virginia, they have to play Maryland. And I think that Maryland has some weaknesses that could be exposed and that Arizona could be a team that could do that. Right. They they're um, 
Arizona is battle tested. They play in the best uh, conference in the country. I have to say it again. Pac-12 is the best conference in the nation. Everybody out east keeps saying that this year it's the ACC or the Big Ten or something like that. But are you kidding me? One through 12, you get a battle every single game. Even if you play ASU, who wasn't that good this year, they still won one game and they still gave you a battle. So it doesn't matter. I remember earlier in the season, I vote for AP and I was looking at where should I put Iowa? Where should I put Arizona? And um, I realized that Iowa played Northwestern and Penn State that week and blew each team out by 30 points. Well, Arizona doesn't have a gimme, right? They don't have a game in those other 11 teams where they're going to blow out somebody by 30 points and then play two of those in one weekend. So they're battle tested. And, you know, Maryland played some tough non-conference games, but I just think that they're not, probably not the best defensive team. And Diamond Miller is a great player. So that's going to be tough for them to neutralize her. But, you know, they were able to stop Alyssa Peely and, um, they gave fits to Cameron Brink the first time they played Stanford. So this team, if the defense is on, um, they can shut down some really great players. I know, Brent, and we talked about the draw on Sunday. What I think a big takeaway was no one's going to want to see Arizona in their bracket, right? Seven seed, they're probably under seed. All of the reasons that you just said, playing in the Pac-12, which is incredibly tough. The big games that Arizona has played, the big games that Arizona has won, what they can do defensively, what they can do when they're focused and locked in. You see that block A in your region, you're like, oh, geez. <laughs> you know. But we got you here on the spot, PJ Brown here of the Arizona Daily Star. I imagine we all think Arizona's going to beat West Virginia, right? Yeah. So starting from that point on, like, can we put you, I'm not going to ask you for, you know, well, just how far do you see this team getting and why do they get that far and why is it only that far? Unless it's national champions, in which case, you know, you don't need to add the last part of it. Yeah, I don't think they'll get to the national championship game. We can always hope, but um, it, it, it's tough. And, um, the you know, while this team is really, really good when they're playing on all cylinders, right? We know that. There are teams in this country that are just that notch above. The Stanfords, the South Carolinas, um, UConn's this really interesting team this year. Everybody got injured, and then some people came back, and they, they've won a lot. You know, Indiana's really good this year. Iowa beat Indiana on a, on a last-second shot. Um I don't know. I I think Iowa's good. And that was just one of those games. And, you know, Caitlin Clark's on a tear. We don't know how long that's going to last. Um, but there are really good teams. There's a Villanova team that's really good with Maddie Seacrest. Um, you know, I don't think that Arizona is definitely – Arizona is not in that class, Right. They are not, there's always that, 
there's that jump. There's that level that's like eliteness. And then there's the next group and then there's everybody else, right? So I think Arizona, I don't quite know where they are in the space of things. And I don't think anybody knows that still. But I think they can beat a lot of those teams that are in that next group. I think that there's a there's a place for them to to find their way in. Now, whether that's, you know, making it to the Sweet 16, whether that's, I don't really know who they play in that Elite Eight game, um, but it could be, uh, trying to think where they fit in the bracket. I think that, is the Elite Eight game the um, South Carolina matchup? That would be South Carolina, most likely. Yeah, yeah. Then, then they won't win that game. Sorry. Sorry <laughs> That's Arizona as far as they fans. could get. We're saying. They won't get it. But if they could get to the Sweet 16, that would be great. Um, it just stinks that they're in that side of the country, right? And not – or that side of the bracket because that's really tough. It would have happened last year too. Even if they would have beat uh, North Carolina in that second round, they would have gone and played South Carolina – and then all bets are off because I think unless something weird happens, I think South Carolina is going to win the national championship. Can, can I can I offer a little uh, framing for our listeners of just how good people think South Carolina is? Mm-hmm. Uh, I teased this with Adam in the in the earlier segment with five thirty eight. You know the statistical guys, and you know you play the game because stats don't matter when you play the game. But as a frame of reference on the men's side. They have Houston as the highest likelihood to win overall, and they give them a 22% chance of winning. Alabama's next at 16, and then it drops, interestingly, to Texas and 8%. On the women's side, what do you think? Uh, so, so spoiler alert, South Carolina's the favorite. What do you think that percentage is when the highest on the men's side was 22%? What do you think South Carolina's likelihood to win it all is? I, I think it's in the 80s or the 90s, right? <laughs> Dang. <laughs> It's not, it's not, it's not quite, it's not quite that high, but it's 64% and the next, and the next highest, (laughs) the next highest is Indiana at 8%, which is just like, no pressure for South Carolina though. Geez. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I I was there because why I think what they've accomplished in the regular season is it is one for the record books. It's phenomenal. People aren't talking about it enough. When you go undefeated today in parody when every turn almost every tournament um conference tournament had an upset and we've had so many upsets this year and you can go wire to wire be number one go undefeated that's huge on staley <laughs> is pretty good yeah <laughs> one of the greatest I mean, coaches of all time already and she's not even done yet i mean um yeah, it's I mean, just amazing when it's when it's you versus the field yeah. in March Madness, and you're the significant odds-on favorite, that's just ri- ridiculous to to the the nth degree that it's hard to put into words. It kind of um, makes you think like that anything can happen, but not that, right? <laughs> not this year, right? Yeah, not like, this year. I mean, when you think about like in the last couple of years, you know, they've been either in the Final Four or the championship game. The year that Arizona was in. Stanford knocked them out in some weird play, I guess, at the end of the at the end of the uh, game that people are still probably arguing about today. 
And then, um, you know, so they've been dominant. Um, but right now they've just been on a, on a roll. And Don Staley did this with, you know, Destiny Henderson, um, who was their point guard last year. She graduated and she's in the, in the WNBA now. So, you know, they have some different players there. Aliyah Boston, of course, is still there. But um, to see what she's done there, it's like the traditional powerhouses, right? It's when Pat Summit and Gino would win like every year. And when those teams just like reloaded, like there wasn't any gap or anything. And it's even what, um, you know, Tara does at uh, Stanford. Um, it's really really incredible and um they're just the team and if you can watch them watch them because um to see Aaliyah Boston be that dominant is really really incredible and to see Don coach I mean it's they're they're just a fun team it sounds like we'll have about six chances to watch them going forward is what it seems like (laughs) but you know I guess if Arizona can get to South Carolina and lose that game I don't want to say it'd be an honor and I don't think people would be happy with that but it would kind of be a you know a you never want to put a cap on it, right? If you're Arizona, if you get to that game, you're saying, hey, we can beat them. You have to believe that. But obviously, Arizona goes in this tournament, not a favorite, not especially not the favorite. No. And, you know, when they're at their best, they're really, really good. But when other schools are at their best, they're probably a little bit better than what Arizona can offer. So we'll see what happens. It's March, right? Yeah, you never know. It's just that it's that tough. I don't know why they keep getting stuck in that, in that part <laughs> of the bracket. It's like, hey, NCAA selection committee. Could you give them a little throw them a, a bone or something? Break? Yeah, <laughs> Could you give them a little break because, and this year I think they're one of the sleeper teams, right? Yeah. Because they should have been a six, possibly a five, and then they they slipped to seven for some odd reason, which um, still baffles everybody. But um, I think just that alone makes you think a team is a sleeper team, right? Like like Illinois. So I don't know why they're an 11 and they're playing a playing game because they're a really good team. They should have just gotten an at-large berth that was like not the plan. They should just be ready to play on Friday or Saturday. That, that they got gypped on that one. Hey, March man. So PJ Brown, of course, you can find her on Twitter at PJ Brown 9 You have plenty of content, I'm sure. If there's a daily star on the Wildcaster app and everything, we're looking forward to reading your content. Hopefully there's a lot of it for the wins team. Hopefully it's a nice long run for Adia Barnes and that team because there's a lot of likable players, a lot of longtime Wildcats who I think everyone can agree we'd love to see them go out on a high note. Maybe it's not winning a national championship, but they deserve to go out feeling like they gave it their all and that they really did Arizona Pro, which they have. But, you know, they got to at least – they got an undetermined amount of games left to add to that legacy. So, PJ, yeah, we know, appreciate the time for sure. One thing just to say about this, we're saying, okay, South Carolina, like it's chalk. They're going to win, right? Weird things happen. Teams took them to the brink. Stanford also almost beat them earlier in the season. UCLA played them really tough. There's That's happened. And, again, like you said, it's March and anything could happen. So, while we're talking about it, you know, for sure, it's a foregone conclusion. You never know. They could be paired up with somebody in that second round that plays out of their skull, plays some different way that they haven't seen before. And next thing you know, it's all up for grabs. 
that's sports. So yes. we'll see what happens. PJ, thanks for joining us on Wildcat Radio 2.0. And yeah, we'll catch up with you down the road, hopefully Sounds sooner good. than the last time. We'll make it we'll make it happen sooner. Sounds good. Thanks. All right. So that's PJ Brown. Thanks for that. And we come back, our final thoughts as the tournaments begin. And of course, there's more happening with Arizona Athletics. We're back. One more segment here on Wild Brett. Talking to Jerry, talking to PJ. Such great guests to have because one, we don't anything about Princeton. And two, it sounds like maybe we don't know what we think we know about the women's basketball team, too, because, you know, a seven seed, I guess we're so used to thinking a seven seed, yeah, they're, they're fine, you know, but this is a good team. It's a good basketball team playing a particularly tough conference. Got a really rough draw, it sounds like, if they were to make it to the Elite Eight. But as Arizona men and women head into these tournaments, I feel like we're confident that they're going to beat, the men will beat Princeton and the women will beat West Virginia. So there'll be games this weekend. But how far each of these teams can go, I mean, we'll see. It's anyone's guess. Yeah, I'm sh- I'm sure on the women's side, I think like I like I said in our 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 Sunday pod after the brackets came out, if I was a Maryland fan, I'd be saying, "Man, we got screwed." <laughs> yeah, you don't want to see Arizona as your second round game. Like you know, just like Arizona on the men's side last year, we were like, "Oh man, how is Houston a five seed?" And we were proven correct. <laughs> um, even I think people talked about TCU being a really tough, like from the eight nine game. Like that's not the that's not a that's not a gimme game, right? Um, you know, I don't think yeah, I don't think anybody that's knowledgeable of women's basketball will would look at that and not be afraid of facing Arizona in this in this thing. But of course, you know, I'm still just my mind is. My mind is literally in a bottle, Adam, when it comes to the projections for South Carolina. They have 91 per- 91% likelihood to make the final four. 91%. I mean, um, I, no pressure. Like I, and that's that's one because like we've talked about it a little bit, you know, and it kind of goes for the opponents. Like for Princeton playing Arizona men, there's no pressure on Princeton. Like even Jay right. was saying, like they're they're gonna try to live in the moment. They're happy to just make it this far. Their goal was to win the Ivy League tournament and get to March Madness. Mission accomplished, right? They can hang the banner if they'd like. So whether they beat Arizona or not, hey, they're happy. Does that lead to a loose team or does it lead to a team that's not as you know focused or intense as they could be? It sounds like from talking to Jerry that they're going to be loose. They're going to be where you want to be, whereas Arizona as a two seed coming off the failure of last season that some of these guys are part of. Are they tight? Are they in any way like, oh, we, we got to win this game, but what happens if we, you know, we'll see. The women, on the other hand, yeah, they're going to their favorite to beat West Virginia, but those expectations aren't there. They can go into this as a team with a lot of key players who were in a national championship game a couple of years ago, and they know how to win in the tournament, and they show up, they win a game or two, and people say, hey, good job. But what if they can do more, right? It's like both these teams are good. Both of these teams at their best are good. Now, I think the men at their very best are as good as anyone in the country, whereas the women, according to talking to PJ, maybe don't. they're not on that level even at their best. But at their best, each of those teams can be really good where they need to be their best to win their first round games, eh, you know, but you'd like to see it. You'd like to see, cause then that would help you give you confidence that each of them can go even further as the games get tougher. Yeah. When it, when it comes to the men's team, you know, I, I'm, I'm sitting here hearing you and wondering, I'm like, man, do I want this men's team to be loose? Cause I feel like a problem with them is that they're too loose sometimes and they think they can tighten it up too fast. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but at the same time, you don't want them to be, uh, you don't want them to be so focused that they lose confidence and are, are doubting themselves. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think when it comes to the men's game, you know, I want to see them, I want to see a business like approach that's very focused and know that in like confident, right. And be like, confident, yeah. not cocky. Yeah. Like, 
Yeah, focus, but not tight. We need to go. Yeah, we need to go execute and be thorough and just purposeful. Yeah, play with purpose. Exactly, and like you know, if they if they show that, I'll feel better about. I'm I'm a little more concerned about a a round two matchup, and I'm I I actually am calling for the Utah State upset. Um, I think that's who we're gonna face, and that you know. It makes me a little nervous that they're a team that can shoot from outside where, you know, if they get hot and, you know, somebody hits 65% of their threes and they shoot 30 of them, it's like, that's a tough game to win if that's what's happening, right? Yes. And that's what happens in March. But, you know, you know, somebody usually doesn't shoot 65% uh, if they've got a if they've got a hand in their face. You know, Sam Decker a few years ago ruining my birthday and all of our dreams at the Elite <laughs> Eight, notwithstanding. Um but that's, you know, I think how Arizona should beat uh, Princeton is going to tell me a lot more about what's going to happen in the, you know, in the, in the subsequent matchups um, and tell us, you know, which, 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 which Azulis to Bellas are we going to get, which Pella Larson are we going to get? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, is, is Kirk Carissa looking healthy or can you rest some of these guys? Um, and even, uh, you know, I think we were talking, uh, you know, every minute that they're not on the court, it's maybe not rest, but it's a couple minutes that they're not going to get injured. Right. <laughs> yes. Which is important. And that's what I want seven people and relying on every one of them to play significant minutes. Well, Brad, I think that's probably as much March minutes as we can talk about for this week's show. Right. <laughs> oh, I mean, I could go for hours, Adam. It's, it's just, the games have to happen. You know, the teams, Arizona men and women, it's easy to say, but, they each have the talent to win at least a handful of games in their respective tournaments, how far they can go. There's a lot of luck with the draws and just with bounces going your way, maybe not running to a team that makes you know, 25 threes will help. There is a little bit more going on. Like those games, okay, just really quick. The men are playing Thursday. The women are playing Friday. Um, those games are on TV, and I'll be watching for sure. <laughs> so I imagine our listeners will be too. Spring football starts this week. There's a, there's a, there's there a football. football? It, never, it never stops, man. <laughs> is there room for football this week? Is anyone caring about football? I mean, it's it's practice, right? But spring practice, of course, kind of the unofficial start of this next season. We're still five months away from games. But I guess that's too much. Too much excitement, I think. <laughs> I mean, are we approaching the point where if Arizona loses early in the tournament, we say, Whatever. It's a just wait till the the, the rest of Jedfish off season. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it certainly it can make the. I say football being good, <coughs> interesting, or whatever the case may be, makes it easier to wait for basketball season. It's not a just wait for basketball. It's like, oh, football's fun too. You know, football was fun last season. Obviously, there's not as many changes offensively for Arizona to figure out. Of course, they got spring ball and then they'll have fall camp, but they're going to have to replace Dorian Singer. I saw Jacob Cowing is going to get the first crack at being the outside receiver. And they have Kevin Green Jr. being on the inside, but they have a lot of receiver talent. Jed Fish says like they had a lot of really young talent there, just not proven talent at the receiver spots. So we'll see how that shakes out. Um, They're replacing, of course, some offensive linemen. Jordan Morgan's still out with recovering from his knee injury, but he'll be coming back. But offensively, I feel like there's not as many question marks defensively there's so many new faces and it's gonna be hard to judge defense in camp right because you're not hitting the way you normally you're playing against your own offense but i'm curious to see which of these guys get the reports like is justin flow look as good as advertised as good as he should be right some of these chances bill norton playing the role as a transfer coming in from georgia some of the freshmen that come in are they ready to play some of the guys who are sophomores now are they ready to make an impact are they getting the reps with the ones and staying with the ones and the twos right is sterling lane ready for instance, as one of those guys, Takario Davis, 
you know, prize sock? Are they ready to take over and be starters, key guys for this team on a consistent basis? That we can learn in camp. But how the good the defense will be, we can't figure that until the games start to count. Well, and, you know, the other thing that's going to happen in the next couple of weeks is there's going to be more roster movement too, right? So yeah. even where we start to get a sense of guys, um, there's going to be some guys that leave, and then we may not know about guys coming in um, for a little longer. Uh, you know, I think San Diego State had no lineman put his, you know, put his name in the portal that he might be an interesting guy for Arizona to look at, probably step in and start, maybe at right tackle. Um, you know, there's going to be more movement. Uh, but, you know, the the other thing that's going to be really fascinating to see is what are the early reports on last year's, you know, last year's freshman class was, you know, an unqualified success so far as a freshman year goes, right? Usually the big leap is freshman to sophomore year. We're gonna, you know, I think it's going to be really interesting to see who made that leap, you know, from top to bottom, from T-Mac down through, you know, Ty Ty and guys that barely and guys that barely got on the field. Uh, you know, uh, you know, Sterling Lane being one of those, uh, you know, Isaiah Ward was a guy that got on the field a touch, but like looked more possibility than 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 uh, ready made product. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, how those guys look, I think, is going to be. A, a really strong early indicator of what we can expect to see when we get to fall camp at the games and the, you know, the games get real and lights turn on. Yeah, of course. Hopefully injuries are kept to a minimum and the ones that happen are minor because you know, it's Arizona doesn't have a lot of, we don't know how good they'll be, but we know there is more talent on the roster this season. Than there was last season and certainly more than there was a couple seasons ago. Yep. And, but do they have the depth that will sustain, you know, it's, could they lose enough key guys and still be good? We don't know that yet, but you hope to not have to find out. Well, thanks you know? for finally getting our, 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 I think this was our first depth reference of a pod. This is the latest it's ever been <laughs> for those that just had their first drink uh, after that depth. You know, sorry, we didn't get you a little drunker tonight. You know, some people listen to our pod during the day when they're working. <laughs> well, that doesn't mean they, playing you know, the game at that point. <laughs> sure. You know, <laughs> tell your boss to blame us for your day drinking at work. If you're doing that when we, whenever we say depth. That <laughs> happened again now. <laughs> we're getting we're getting that buzz now. But no football. So football's getting going. Of course, the spring game is April fifteenth. I don't know. We'll see what the weather looks like. Maybe I'll try to make it down. That'd be kind of fun to go to the spring game this year. But the expectations for Jetfish's team, you know, just get higher and higher and greater and greater here in year three. I imagine most people are thinking bowl game, and if everything goes right, especially with the defense, there's no reason why that can't happen. But a lot goes down over the next five months. Like Brent was saying, there's going to be roster movement after uh, after this camp, after fall, you know spring ball. There's going to be roster movement. For, like DJ Williams, for example, he was a late arrival last year, and he ended up being a really important player on the team. So there's the team you see now is not going to be the team you see in August and September. But Brett, I think that's going to do it for us. Of course, we know baseball and softball are happening, but not much has changed since the last time we potted. We'll get into those programs more, especially as – Basketball winds down, hopefully in three weeks. Hopefully we're still talking basketball in three, four weeks. That would be terrific. And then we'll have football and some of the other spring sports. Of course, as always, you can find us on Twitter at Wildcat Radio AZ. We sometimes do mailbags, but if you just got a question, send it to the Twitter. We'll get to it on the show. Um, We're on iTunes. We're on Spotify. You can subscribe to us on both platforms. If you're on iTunes, give us a rating and a review, and we'll read the review on the pod. But, Brett, the next time we do a show tournament games will have happened hopefully it's a happy show hopefully we're previewing more games 
because I mean, it's the first week in Arizona as a two seed, you're supposed to get out of the first week. You're supposed to make the sweet 16 at a minimum. And the women, if they're truly an underseeded seven, no reason they can't get to the sweet 16 as well. Right. I mean, it's the expectations are different. I get it, but hopefully we're talking about wins next week. That's hopefully kinda... I, you know, I, I'm, I'm hoping and, you know, dare I say, even expecting talking about two teams with Sweet 16 matchups in a week. Well, we'll leave that there. So <laughs> everyone enjoy the week and enjoy the basketball. Try not to stress too hard. Hopefully the teams give us an easy couple of nights here watching them. Whatever happens this week, we'll talk about it next week. And until then, remember to bear down. Bear down.